Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello. And welcome back to another episode of the Weight Loss Podcast. I'm here with Matt. Hello. Hello. I am ready. Good. Excellent. I am ready to record an episode. <laughs> I am born for this. Well, today's a very, very exciting episode. Aren't they all? Yes. Okay. They are all very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one is exciting for today because this one we're doing today. Um, it's exciting because it's the one we're doing. It's exciting because yeah. it's the one we're doing. So today's episode is all about measuring progress. So mm. how do you measure progress? So really great topic of conversation. I'm actually surprised, Matt, we haven't done we haven't really spoken too much about this before now. I'm not surprised in the slightest because it seems like every second or third episode is you or me saying, I can't believe we haven't done this yet and it's only been four years. So yeah, Very true. So there are a lot of ways to measure progress. There are quite a few. There are a lot of ways, but they're not all created equally. No, they most certainly are not. So we've designed this episode to break down the, the various common methods that are out there for for measuring progress when it comes to weight loss. Uh, And we're going to talk about the pros and the cons of all of them. Um, And we're then going to wrap up with how we do it um, with ourselves and with our clients. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we've written this out and we've sort of created a bit of a tier list. So we, we sectioned the different methods off into shit, basically shit, um, situationally useful and gold standard. Yes. So I think we climb the mountain, Courtney, by starting through with the shit. All right. The we'll worst start of the worst. the worst. We'll start with the worst first. So the worst measurement of progress with weight loss is well, ah, uh, because there's more than one. Well, the first, the first terrible one. The we've first got, terrible we've one. We've got uh, one, two, three here under worst of the worst. Yes. So we'll just start with the first one, which is BMI. The body mass index. Which I'm sure you probably have heard of. Most people have heard of BMI. Not everyone knows how it actually works, Matt, though. If, if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard of BMI. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So the, the body mass index is, has been around for a little while. You might think, oh, yeah, like maybe 30 or 40, 50 years at most. No. How about since the 1830s? It's a mathematical formula uh, devised in the 1830s. works by dividing your weight by your height to give you a number. And if the number's over a certain threshold, well, you're overweight. And if it's over another certain threshold, you're obese. And conversely, if it's under a certain threshold, your normal weight, whatever the fuck that means, and if you're under another certain threshold, you're underweight. Yes. So I think we can agree that the the science of weight loss has evolved somewhat since the 1830s. Yes. Would we? Can we agree on this? Yes, we can agree on that. Okay. So in terms of pros and cons... Okay, he, I'm going to give you now 
an extensive list of the pros of BMI. Okay, I'm done. So we'll now move on to the cons, the drawbacks of the BMI. So the first, the first con here is it doesn't tell you actually how fat you are. If you're the sort of person where you don't exercise, you live a relatively sedentary life, all the BMI does is tell you how much space you take up. Yeah. So here's the thing. It's not hard to figure out if you have a sedentary lifestyle and your BMI is over 25, well, um, of course you're going to be fat. Duh. But the thing is, Biggest con here is that if you're a person who exercises, BMI is utterly useless. Yeah. Utterly useless because it doesn't measure body composition. Now, what are the two key components, Courtney, when measuring body composition? Um, muscle and fat. Correct. So simple thing with body composition, if you want to look and feel better, more muscle and less fat. Yeah. That's kind of a simplistic way of looking at it and kind of accurate. So we know that a person's body composition, how much muscle they have versus how much fat they have, will drive their metabolism, determine how they look, function, and feel. Yes. BMI doesn't measure that. No. So you might have someone – well, here's a real easy example. If you have a a larger person, and I don't mean large as in overweight, I mean just built bigger. Mm. It might be tall, uh, thick set, you know, lean and muscular – the BMI might say they're obese. Yeah. Yet you look at them and they ain't obese. Yeah. So even with me, the BMI has said I'm obese for many, 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 many years. Yeah, I'm obese as well. Cool. All right, the end of us. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think the main the – ma- the key thing here is, to me, is formula de- de- devised in the 1830s. So basically, that long ago, they weren't thinking about the fact that you could have muscle mass well, and fat mass, and they weren't thinking the same way that we are now. No, I can understand where it would be useful in the 1830s, um, but we're actually heading in the direction of the 200th anniversary yes. of the body mass index. Um, move along, let it go. Yeah. It's, 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 it's astounding to me that health professionals still use this. Yes. And it, do, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, it does get used a lot with um, people that might be in line for certain surgeries. Surgeries, just health advice in general. It just, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. very strange that it's still used. So um, the Throw it in the bin is, is the advice I give when it comes to the BMI. Yeah. It's just out of date and pointless. Shall right. we hit the next one? Let's hit the next one. Next is height and weight tables. Okay, so you... These were very, very prominent when when I was a kid and growing up. Um, you will see, you will still see some of them now. Um, sometimes in gyms, airports, sometimes supermarkets, sometimes even health clinics. Yeah. Um, the height and weight table um, works by telling you what you should weigh based on your height and age. Mm. Okay. Um, so again, I'll, I'll give a good list here of the pros of this. Yeah. Okay, now I'll give a list of the cons. The big con is that it doesn't take into account your build. No. 
doesn't take into account muscle mass or any actual factors related to body composition. Yeah, um, so it's very similar to BMI that yeah, way. It's yeah. not factoring in other things. It's very similar in that it's fucking yeah. useless. And I'll give an illustration of this. So you might have someone, like say myself, you got me and you got a guy who's just as tall as me but not built mm-hmm. like I'm built. The, the height and weight table should say if we're the same age and the same height, we should weigh in the same range. That's just not how that's not how humans are built. Nah. So it, it's very much a one size fits all mm. unit of measurement, which means it's fucking terrible because one size fits all doesn't work. Yeah. So again, throw out the bin. Again, very similar to BMI to me. One size fits all, and it's not taking into consideration other factors. There's no context. There's no nuance. It's just no. No. It's no. shit. Don't use it. Yeah. Um, and the third and final worst of the worst. Is a very popular one, one that gets used a lot. Very popular, gets used a lot. Please stop using it. Is the scales. Yeah, body weight. So the, the, the technical term is body weight, but how do you measure body weight? You jump on the scales. So without question, the most common way to measure progress, the most popular, whatever that word means in this context. Yeah. Um, we've all been there. We've all done that. Now, whilst it is the most commonly used way to measure progress, does that mean it's the best? Well, no, it's in our shit category for a reason. It's deeply, deeply flawed. Yeah. So, again, actually, you know what? We talk about pros and cons. I can give a pro for this. It's cheap. Yeah. It's a cheap way to do it. The only other other side to this that I was going to mention is – the only time would be like if you have to, if you're like a professional fighter or a professional athlete where you have to make a certain weight. Well, if you do, if you're if you're involved in a certain sport that has um, weight divisions and weight limits, you aren't listening to this episode of this podcast. No, I'm just saying yes. that in general, that's the only other time that you could foresee this being yeah, used. If, yeah, if you're if you've got a, again weight categories in yes. your chosen sport or profession, then hey, that's a different story. But that's not no. At, that's but outside if, the boundaries if, of this episode. If you are not a professional fighter or athlete needing to make weight, the only time really you should be using your scales is to weigh your luggage. Uh, well said. So we'll still we'll still get into a bit of detail here because it's, it's I don't want to have this as an episode where we go, yep, <laughs> scales are shit and just move on. Let's actually get into this a bit more yes. in depth. So as I said, this is one of the most deeply flawed ways to measure progress. Okay, the question then is, well, uh, how? Well, let's look at it this way. When someone wants to change, they want to lose weight, they want to look better, they want to feel better, what really bothers them is not the number that's read on the scales. It's the fact that they just saw a photo of themselves and they didn't realise how shit they look. It's the fact they go and put on one of their favourite items of clothes and it don't fit no more. Mm. Or it's the fact that oh, okay, they've got kids and holy shit, they can't keep up with them or they can't do the things day to day as well as they used to 12 months ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. So people want to improve their body and their physical appearance. They, They want to improve their functional ability. They want to improve their energy levels. They just want to feel better on a day to day basis. Problem is, Jumping on the scales and measuring body weight does not assess a single one of the above. 
Yes. Also does not assess body composition, does not tell you muscle and fat. And which means then it doesn't take into account any sort of muscle mass increases and body fat decreases. And I'll give you an example here of how this can fuck with people's heads. So let's say you have a, a, a 12-week structured program, training program that you're doing, and you know 12 weeks on, take a week off, whatever it's going to be. And over the course of that 12 weeks, let's say you gain three kilos of muscle mass and you lose four kilos of fat mass. Now, if someone just told me alone, without knowing anything else, this is my outcome from my last 12 weeks, I will give them a standing ovation <laughs> because that is a gigantic fucking change and you will look and feel it. Problem is that three kilos of muscle gain and the four kilos of fat loss measured under the unit of body weight only shows a one kilo loss on the scales. Oh, I failed. Mm-hmm. I only lost one kilo. This is why... This is such a flawed method because of the information it does not give you, mm-hmm. which is why we don't give a rat's ass what our clients weigh or how much they've lost, how much they haven't lost, because we know it doesn't tell us the information that we need to have. Correct. So, yeah, um, chuck them out, bin it. Not, yeah. not a good way I, to measure I, progress. I think it's also it puts unrealistic expectations on there as well, like you just mentioned, unrealistic, unrealistic expectations on what is success and what is failure. Um, so, you know, some some people look completely different, as you just mentioned, and, yeah, the scales might say one kilo, and you go from feeling elated to about deflated. the way that you look to feeling deflated, like you you don't – like it's embarrassing to tell people that you only lost one kilo. So it, it just it just doesn't make a difference. Can I um, – we haven't got this here in our notes, Courtney, but can I give a few more cons actually about this method of progress? Yes. Um, it fucks with your head. Yeah, it does. It, it creates an unhealthy dependence on numbers. Yes. And, I mean, stop me if this sounds familiar – the, the person that bases their mood on, on that given day based on an arbitrary number on a set of scales. Yeah. And it also comes down to the fact that it's so hard to be consistent with it. Even if you wanted to do it, you gotta you gotta be really careful about what time of the month you've you as a female that you're weighing yourself, you've got to factor in what time of day. Um, make sure it's consistent on the exact same time of day. What same have you conditions. Eat? What have you drank? It's it's just so it's just the so, average, so um, up and down. Well, the average person can have anywhere between a four to six kilo variance from when they first get up to when they're going to bed at night. Yeah, because obviously you wake up in a fasted state. Um, you go to bed. You've you know you've moved around all day. There'd be some inflammation. You've eaten food through the day. Like that's normal. Yet a person that's not aware of how this actually works would think, "Oh, what the fuck!" Yeah. So that's a mat- that that might be actually the beyond the technical aspects. That might be the biggest con of body weight as a measurement of progress is the mental damage it can do to you because you attach so much of your self worth to what that number says yes. versus what it said yesterday or the week before or whatever. It doesn't. It not only does not need to work that way. It should not work that way. No. And I've often said it does, in my opinion, lead to a really dis, dis, disordered 
way of looking at your body. For sure. And of and of food and of exercise. Yeah, it can definitely warp your relationship because then you start you can then start to to go down that path of doing things to sort of impact the number game not game your body. the system. Yeah. And like, oh well, okay, oh fuck, if I don't eat the rest of the day, I'll get the number down. Correct. You're trying to impact the number, not the actual way that you look. And it's, That's a good it, way of putting it really it. changes the way that you look oh, 100%. At, at this sort of stuff. And, and, and I've also told clients in the past, when you go shopping for clothes, you're mm. not going to the 60-kilogram section. <laughs> and there's a reason why you don't. Mm. Because not every person who weighs 60, 80, 100 kilos looks the same. Mm. So it doesn't... It doesn't always measure up. Like, you know, I I fit into a size 10 to 12, depending on the piece of clothing. And clothing also is subjective sizing. And I fluctuate really between sort of 75 to 82 kilos. So you wouldn't normally see, you know, some people say like, well, an a person of, of my height, I'm five foot four, that weighs 80 kilos wouldn't fit into a size 12, but I do. Mm. So that I don't go to the shop looking for the, the 80 kilogram section. You go to the shop and you put the clothes on that you feel really good in and make you feel happy. You just made me realise something in our, uh, in our notes here. That is actually a measurement of progress we didn't put on here. Clothes. Yeah. So we just wrapped up then with um with BMI, with height and weight tables, and with actual body weight on the scales. Okay, we've completed the the worst of the worst List. section. The next section is is what we've called here situationally useful, mm-hmm. and by situationally useful, I mean they can be suitable, but sometimes they can suit you in certain circumstances and not in others. They can often be deceiving. Um, yeah. Where they can be useful and deeply flawed. Now, before we get into those situationally useful ones, Courtney, should we touch on clothes? Like, where would you put clothes here? So we've got shit, useful, gold standard. I think definitely clothes would be in the useful category to me. Because Do you want to hit this, hit this now we're yeah, talking about? Yeah, because they're not... It's not a terrible worst of the worst form of gauging progress. I don't think it is at all, no. But in terms of a gold standard, it can a little be a little bit situational. Okay, so I'm going to put this on you now. Yeah. I'll, let's start by framing it. How would you word here? How do you, how do you use clothes as a unit of measurement? Because you've done this a lot. Yeah, and I'm a bit torn on the clothes, to be honest. For now, just explain how it works. The, 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 the situation when it comes to clothing as a unit of measurement basically is that you're, you're choosing an item of clothing. Um, it's really important to choose really just one item, one or two. You might do a top and a bottom or just a bottom, like a pair of jeans or something like that. Pick and stick. You really have to pick and stick with it. Mm. Then what you would do is you would um, try that piece of clothing on maybe once a month, you know, once every three months. Well, you, you pick a pick a time frame and stick with it. Yeah, again, pick so a stick. Again, it's a, it's. I should have mentioned that it's a piece of clothing that doesn't fit you well right now. So you, often, what will happen is that that clients of ours, they'll pick a piece of clothing that they want to get back into that they once fit really well and comfortably, 
Or they might have an event coming up and they've picked a, a size of clothing that doesn't quite fit them comfortably right now and they want to they want to get into it comfortably. I, I've always used the phrase, at least with myself, you're, you use items of clothing that are kind of merciless mm. where you know you can't get away with wearing this yes. unless you are yes. in pretty good shape. Yeah. We've all got certain clothes that fit that bill. So it might be a fitted dress for a female. It might be a pair of fitted jeans that are just a little bit too snug, denim shorts. Often a lot of people will also choose a piece of clothing that doesn't have a lot of give in it. So That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Like the fabric doesn't have a lot of give, Mm -hmm. so it's not deceiving that way. So, you know, you're not going to pick a pair of tracksuit pants. You're going to pick jeans or or a, a slim fitting dress or for the boys it might be certain t-shirts certain will t-shirts work for the boys. um, um uh, elast- i'll tell you singlets. what though elasticized tracksuit pants can work because you can feel it through your hips and down through your thighs into your True. calves so it's just picking an item of clothing that you can rely on to give you a sense of where you're at over an x a period okay, of time so what, uh, what what would be the pros for this so in your mind the pros for this one are that it, it's it's a visual guide. It is a visual guide. It's a visual. Yeah. It's a very. It's a it's a visual goal as well. So goals are fantastic when they're written down, but they're even better when you can actually feel like you're. you're well, it's more tangible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you're you're really feeling that goal and you're really seeing where you're at. Mm. Um, so I think that that's a really big plus. It it's something that can be done privately too. You can just have it in in your bedroom you don't have to tell anyone about it you can just try it on put it on see where you're at maybe even get like a photo in the mirror get of a how photo. It fits and then put it back in the cupboard and come back a month later correct so those i would say are the biggest pros could i give could i give what i think is the biggest pro mm-hmm. when it works and you feel it it is invigorating and thrilling yeah, yeah. It, i would say the feeling is priceless yes i would agree it was actually can i just say um, once I sort of got my head out of the scales, this was my biggest step forward and my next unit of measurement was close. Yeah. Um, so those, pro- those pros that we just mentioned all lead me to say it's in the gold standard section. The only part that makes me a little bit hesitant and where it's sort of bordering the useful section to me are the cons in terms of you really have to be really switched on and have a really good understanding of where you're at and not to get carried away. So this is where I think the mindset comes in to be really understanding, have really clear understanding of where you're, where you're starting at, a really clear understanding of time frame of getting to that piece of clothing. You've got to have very clear understanding of when you're trying it on, that piece of clothing, and not to me as well, not using it as the only measure. That's probably the biggest one for me because it can border a little bit on the one of the pros I mentioned with the scales that if you try it on, um, say particularly for me, I, I'm a female, I have endometriosis, so around my menstrual cycle time, I bloat a lot and I carry a lot of excess fluid. Some women don't have that at all during their menstrual cycle. Some women like me do. If I didn't have my wits about me and I tried that piece of clothing on during that week, I potentially could think that I'm going 10 miles backwards. 
So you really have to be clear and understanding and give you maybe make sure that you're trying it on at the same time. Um, have some parameters and understanding about what you're doing. Um, have really good time frame so you're not giving yourself false expectations. And I would always say as well, it really should be followed up with another, another, I'd, I wouldn't personally use it as my only form of measurement. We don't. Um, yeah. So I agree with that. I would probably add one more con mm. with that as well, that it can throw you off if you haven't, if you don't understand how your body shape's changing. Oh, yes. That's a very good point. The genes. The, the genes are a good one. The um, genes. Um, genes fit me. Well, I'll, I'll give a personal example and you can give yours. Um, genes for me fit differently than they used to um, because my thighs have become very muscular and very thick, not fat. Like I ask Courtney to touch my quads all the time. <laughs> Loves his quads. Quadzilla, yes. just ask me. Um, but no, it's, the jeans fit differently because they fit, they're very comfortable around my waist. Yes. But very snug through the thighs. Yes. And I call that a leg day problem. Finding jeans to fit, Matt, is incredibly difficult. They look good when they do. Because, There's yes. There's some work involved in finding his them. His glutes and his thighs are quite large. And in charge. His waist is a lot smaller but then because Matt is so tall, the combination well. is very challenging to find jeans that fit him. So he very rarely wears jeans so as it, a result. It's it's a con in that if you don't have an understanding of how your body shape's changing over time, it can also fuck with your head. And I completely agree with that as well because there was an example, and I think I wrote a blog about it um, years ago, where I had a particular pair of jeans. They were like a purple lavender sort of pair of jeans salmon and not yeah and the salmon ones and i they didn't fit well i dropped some kilos you know got in better shape dropped some fat i should say not kilos um they fit well wore them for a summer next summer comes around didn't fit and disaster. I, I, it actually took me aback until I realized again, this is why sometimes you do have to remember your wits about you and really think to yourself first, first instinct isn't to freak out. First instinct should be think about what's changed here. Mm-hmm. And what had changed was I, other pieces of clothing I had fit fine. These did not fit fine. Why? Realize that they were a style of denim that did not have any give in it at all like it was very very um, rigid fabric and I had put more muscle on on my glutes my butt was bigger in a good way Mm. I'd actually worked really hard to make it bigger so instead of my just to add context to this you never used to have a butt my flat butt that I had was the, it was growing in size. The butter butt to the bubble butt. Yes, which is what I wanted to happen. But mm. as a result, my jeans didn't fit me anymore. Well, something you said before that gives that away too, because you said I wore them for a summer and then the next summer, now what changed from summer to summer? That's 12 months of squats and deadlifts and lifting weights and getting stronger. Correct. And you, that's 12 months of shape change. Correct. 
So that's that. You're totally right, Matt. You had to check yourself other, on that, didn't you? Yeah, that's the other only slight flaw with that one, and that's why it shouldn't be the only form of measurement because that can really also play with your mind. Well, I think that's where um, the situationally useful ones we're talking about now. That's how it fits into this category where when it works, holy shit, it works. Right. But there are some downsides worth taking into account. So what we'll do now is you're, you're comfortable with, with what we've hit on the clothes there? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the situationally – situationally – that's a good word, isn't it? We'll get there. Um, useful ones that we're about to mention, along with the clothes, to me, uh, would you agree, Matt, where they are um, – Measurements that can be used but in um, association with our gold standard ones. Well, they're, not, they're not standalone. Like if you were going to pick one, you wouldn't be picking one of these ones as the only one you're no, using. No, no. Well, that, that's why they're situationally useful. Yeah. They can be very, very beneficial, but they have flaws that mean it holds them back from being gold standard. Yeah. And also being situationally useful means they should be probably done in conjunction. Yeah. With some other methods, yes. so let's we've gone from clothes. We've the gone next, from clothes. the next situationally useful measurement of progress is uh, girth measurements. Okay, so girth measurements. Okay, it is what you think it is. Grab a tape measure, um, have some certain spots on your body, and every six weeks, three months, whatever, go back and measure yep. them again Thigh, and again waist, and again. Chest, arms, shoulders, shoulders. You know, I think the ones I, I used to do this all the time. I yeah. had a lot of practice doing this. Um, Shoulders, chest, waist, hips, thighs, calves, arms, slash arms. biceps. Yeah. Um, with a couple of – just a couple of little little variances, whether it's a male or a female body. But generally speaking, that's, that's the rough way of going about it. Now, there are – the pros with girth measurements, well, hey, cheap and easy. Like how much does it cost to buy a tape measure? Mm-hmm. So if you have a tape measure – and you have some consistency, and by consistency I mean measuring the same locations each time and, and noting the, the numbers in the same unit of measurement. Like don't go inches one time, then centimetres or millimetres the next. Like just fuck with your head. Pick and stick. Um, so cheap and easy for sure. Can be really, really useful, most useful in my opinion, when the person is rather overweight mm. and has quite a lot of bulk to lose yeah uh so you know you might have someone that's got you know very a large belly large butt like you know you know i'm talking about when they're overweight and there's going to be a loss of centimeters or inches like hey this can be a useful way to measure how your body is changing yeah over that time the downside is that obviously tape measures don't measure your body composition Mm. so they don't tell the full story that's why I said they're useful when someone is, is rather overweight because if they're overweight, they've got they've got size to lose. Yeah. And you can measure that change. But as you get smaller, as you get leaner, eventually the tape measure is going to stop moving. Mm. Yet your composition can continue to improve. Yeah. That's why it's situationally useful. You'll get to the stage where this don't tell me the story anymore. Yeah. And I've seen this with clients – over the, over the years where they get to the stage where their girth measurements stopped changing, yet they looked better and better and better in photos. Mm. That's why they're situationally useful because they stopped being useful. Yes. 
However, and there's a reason why they, they can be useful, they're most useful when they're combined with other methods. Yeah. Hence the phrase. Situational. Thank you. Uh, last one in this category, Courtney. Let's see if you can get this one out. <laughs> All right. Let me just shift down in my notes. All right. The next one is BIA, which is Bioelectrical Impedance Analysis. Bravo. Good job. So You're just joining us. I have a problem with words sometimes. <laughs> so the, um, the impedance analysis, if you're wondering what the F does that mean, well, you know how you go to the gym and the gym might have that U-butte set of, of body composition scales? You hold where on to the little handles. They'll, they'll measure – they won't just measure your weight. They'll give you your, your bone density, your, your body fat, your water mass. Full analysis. Um, yeah, the full analysis. So it works by sending small little harmless electrical currents uh, that pass through the different tissues in your body um, to determine the density of those different tissues in your body. So as I said, um, you know, body fat, muscle, um, skin, etc. Problem is though, they all contain different amounts of water, which mean they contain different amounts of densities. So, and this is this is actually the biggest flaw in this method. So the the pro of this method is that you can get a pretty comprehensive report, mm-hmm. so to speak, on on where you're at from a from a data standpoint. Except the fatter someone is, the more unreliable the reading is. It gets harder to be accurate using these, um, these currents and it actually skews the information. So this is the biggest pro. If you're an overweight person, it's not probably telling you the full story no. or an accurate story. And it's then another pro because if you're really lean – you probably aren't in the in the interest of using something like this because you're just taking photos and using the mirror, yeah. Or you're using one of the gold standard ones we're going to be mentioning, like um, skinfold calipers, yeah. So it's yeah. an interesting. It's an interesting. I actually didn't know about the. I knew of them because I'd seen them advertised and and gyms advertising them. The I just I actually didn't even realize know how they worked. Yeah, they're they're um, a distant they're a distant actually no they're probably more of a closer relative of what will be our first gold standard yeah. unit of measurement. They're like a um like a ghetto version. Yeah, I, I, I was I was interested to know how they actually worked because I found it interesting that someone could just stand and hold thingies and suddenly it tells you all of this stuff. That's easy, mate. It does all the work for you. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, all, it makes sense as to why that, that can give that sort of accurate readout, but the accuracy then is is the question mark. The, ac- the accuracy is skewed if the person is more overweight. Okay. And these things are designed for overweight people. Which is why, like, we've had plenty of clients like, "Oh, should I get one of those scans at the at the scars of the gym?" No, that's <laughs> not going to tell us jack shit. No. Uh, so we'll move on now, Courtney, to the gold standards. Yes. So I just want to preface by saying, gold standard does not mean flawless. No. It means way more pros than cons. Yes. So we'll still talk about the cons. Don't worry. Of course we we're will. not just going to talk these ones up. No, no. This is fully objective here. Yes. So the first one under the um, the gold standard umbrella is DEXA scan. DEXA scan. Oh, shall I? Yes. Dual energy X ray absorptiometry. 
Yeah, see, I would never go Okay, that so DEXA scan is, is what I said before, is like a, a cousin or a relative of the uh, impedance analysis, except this is the one, this one doesn't really miss. Mm. So it's, it's considered the gold standard in laboratory body composition assessment. Um, it's a, think of it like a large x-ray machine. So you lie down, um, the scanner does the work, uh, it goes up and down your body a few times, it then will um, print out a whole buttload of information. Um, most relevant to, to the individual is bone density, muscle mass, fat mass, water mass, metabolic rate, Yes. and then breaks it, and obviously body weight, and then breaks it down, not just an overall picture, but <laughs> limb by limb by limb. Yes. So your torso, left leg, right leg, left arm, right arm, and even your head. So you can officially have a fat head. Yes, you can. Um, so very can be very, very useful and accurate information. Mm. Now, to be clear, we actually don't recommend the DEXA scans to our clients, but we don't advise against it either. Yes. It's a personal choice. Like if you want to go and get one, we're not going to stop you. No. Go for your life. Do, do we factor in with what we do? No, we don't because and this is the biggest downside to the DEXA is why we don't recommend it to clients because it's not fucking cheap. No, it's very expensive. Well, you can be looking at between 100 and 150 at least here in Australia, dollar dues per scan. Yes. So if you're getting it like once every three months, once every six months, like, okay, I can get behind that. If you're thinking, oh, get, get one every couple of weeks, every single week, like, no, and the availability of these DEXA scans is also not. Yes, you've got to you've got to either go to universities if they'll if yeah. they'll you know, let you use the machine. It's a massive machine. machine. Um, it's a humongous machine. Um, or you've got to go to certain businesses that actually are like proper DEXA scan businesses yeah. and book in, make sure you're, they're available, pay the money, yeah. go and get it. It's almost so, like a massive um, like MRI machine. Probably not not as big as an MRI, but it, it it's a big machine. Well, look, it's big enough to get my body in there. It's not that, small. Yeah, it's it's not something that there would. There's a lot of these things. So availability um, also and, not something you're likely to have in your home. Absolutely not. Um, and gyms would not have them. That's why they use. The, it's, a ver- it's a very specialized yeah. machine, um, and that's the biggest downside. If you're doing it regularly, the cost adds up. The cost and the availability. Yeah, and the availability. And I think just personal perspective. The biggest downside is that the numbers won't make you feel better if you don't like what you see in the mirror. Yes. Like, sure, you may have had like a fantastic 12 weeks or six months and it's like, oh, Mike, I'll get a DEXA scan. Like, oh, yeah, I've you know, added this much muscle and this much fat. But if you're still not happy, you're still not happy. Yeah, and I think to me one of the other downsides is that it does border on that unhealthy obsession with numbers again. It can, yeah. So it, it's just another form of getting numbers. Yes, it's more accurate. And yes, for some people, it's really good information in, because it does give you things like muscle mass. It does give you things like bone density really, really um, um, accurately. Well, there's no – um, it's not fluffy information. No. Um, definitely not fluffy information. It's just – and because it's so accurate, it has to be gold standard. Yeah. Um, but we – as, you, as you're going to find out as we go through the rest of this, there are cheaper ways to get the job done yeah. than I, this. Yeah, and I, and I think that it's great for a burst of knowledge about what's happening with your body, but I've seen it with, 
with clients as well where they've gone to get one of these with expectations mm. on what the numbers are going to say and then they get disappointed with their results where they shouldn't be disappointed. So, again, it can border that. Yeah, it doesn't. If it, you have expectations when it comes to numbers, that's when you w- wouldn't need one of these. Or if you this have, is not what this is for. Or if you have an unhealthy relationship with numbers yeah. and you struggle with giving with adding context to them. Correct. So before we move on, if the, if the next question to me is, oh, well, if I was to do this, what's the recommendation? Once every six months? Yeah, max I'd say. Uh, okay, Courtney, what's the next one? Next one is skinfold calip- calipers. Okay, now calipers are without question gold standard. Um, extremely, well, here's why they're gold standard. They're extremely cost effective yes. in that all you need is a quality set of calipers. Now, to be fair, a quality set of skinfold calipers are not fucking cheap. Well, you can be looking anywhere between $300 and $1,000. Yeah. However, they will probably last you for the rest of your yeah, life. Like the if, difference is that it is a once-off if, investment. If you're, if you're buying a good set of calipers, you are only ever buying one good set of calipers. Yes. However, you also need someone who knows how to use them properly because yes. that using them properly is easier said it's than a done. Skill. It is absolutely a skill, a hard-earned one. At so that. why why is it a skill? We'll get into that. Um, we'll first talk about you know, like how do the calipers work? Well, they measure your body fat percentage. Yes. They measure your body fat percentage via skin folds. So a very, very, when used correctly, accurate method to measure body composition, muscle and fat mass. Yes. Hence body fat percentage. So we can be very accurate with this. But this is what then leads to the downsides. The biggest downside is that the person using the calipers has to be ace, an absolute ace with this. And we're talking thousands of hours of practice. Because yes. it is this is the thing. It is easy to fuck up. Yes. With the, so with the calipers. Can I just can we just paint the picture if anybody Ooh, has can paint a picture. no yes. idea what we're talking about right now? They might have heard of skin folds. A lot of athletes do skin folds because they need to be that's how the Sports trainers, you know, make sure that they measure their condition. Measure their condition. Mm. So, skinfold basically, there's certain. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, because I actually personally have never done skinfolds, whereas you have. Mm-hmm. So, I believe. Well, my understanding with them is is that there's certain parts of your body where the measurements are taken, sort of like girth measurements. There's particular points. Yeah, they call them sites. So it depends on the method used. And this is also one of the downsides as well. There's different, there's different amount of sites you can go: three site, five site, seven site. Um, but also, there's different equations that can be then used to calculate the percentage. And this is where the person doing this has to be a real master because you have to know what equation and how many sites are relevant to the person you're doing it with. If you right. get it wrong, it can skew your body fat percentage by a fairly large amount. Yes. Okay. So you've got basically then these sites. You. It's basically like a pinch test. So you're pinching. It is a pinch. You're pinching the skin. You pinch and pull the skin. Pinch and pull the skin out. And then you've got your calipers. You rest the caliper on it and then let it settle. So the calipers are like a really big set of tongs almost. Yeah. Put it this way. If you're wondering what the hell the calipers look like, pause us right now. Go to Google. Google, Look up calipers, C-A-L-L-I-P-E-R-S, and you'll see what I mean. So they will pinch the skin and they have a little gauge on them. Yes. And the gauge, you then – what – to do this the best way, you need to take at least three measurements of the same site and then get the average. Get the average, because right. Because all it takes 
is for you to be off by a millimetre on grabbing the skin on that site and you get a different reading on the caliper. So why you get three per site because then you get, well, add them up, divided by three, there's my average. Yep. Okay. So again, that's the biggest downside is you need someone who is damn good Good. at this. And put it this way, all personal trainers as part of their cert courses are taught how to use calipers. That doesn't mean they're any fucking good. No, as you said, it's one of those things that just it takes repetition and practice. And this is well, this is the thing. When I say repetition and practice, I mean bulk repetition and practice. Yeah. I've I've seen the difference between people that know how to do it properly and people that think they know how to do it properly. And it it's a different experience. Yep. Uh, also, con mm. with the calipers, really, really hard to do with someone who's overweight. Because okay. when, you, when you're overweight and carrying a lot more fat, you've got a lot more of this marbled fat underneath the skin. And it actually makes pinching and getting the calipers to settle fucking hard. Oh, because the real fat hard. shifts. Um, it's, just, it's, it's hard to get it and pull it because it's, it's, a, it's a bigger volume of, of, of bulk to try and yeah, grab. Okay. So when someone's lean, you can just grab – and you, sorry for you listening, you can't see it. I'm showing Courtney with my hands. You can grab someone's – someone's skin on their skin. arm and yeah. just pull and it just up pull it out and you, yeah. get, you get this little fold like yeah this is where we need that video for our podcast yes um but then if you're trying to grab someone that's got like a lot more fat around there you get this big it's chunk hard to grab it uh-huh. out yeah i'm with yep. you yep and so it's it actually is harder doing skin fold readings with someone that's overweight so that is the that's probably the second biggest con besides skilled technician is that it's more useful as you get leaner but once you get to that stage it can be really, really useful. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, that's where the scales actually come in handy. Yeah. Because, well, the readings the readings that you get on the skin fold in conjunction with the body weight is how you can use the formula to figure out body fat percentage. Right. This is why the scales are shit because they don't tell you body fat percentage, but scales plus calipers do. Okay. I, I sound smart. You do sound smart I today. Sound, oh. Look at you go. Um, so that's the that's the final con of the calipers. There is one more gold standard method of oh, measuring yes. progress. Courtney, would you like to photos? Boom, photos. Photos. We save the best till last. Best of the best. It, in in our opinion, and it's our show. These are the best of the best. Okay, why are they the best of the best? Well, uh, it's free. It is free. It's easy. Yes. And it is uber effective provided they are done consistently with a certain standard adhered to. What do I mean by that? So many people fuck this up. Yeah, yeah they do. You would think you, you can't fuck up photos. Oh, yes, you can yes, fuck you up can. photos. Okay. Let me explain how they should be done. Yes. Okay. So very much like what Courtney mentioned with the clothes, have a set schedule for when you're going to be doing your progress photos. Like if you want weekly, do weekly. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but, you know, for, for us, we do it with our clients every six weeks. Yep. Okay? As someone gets a bit leaner, it actually – there is logic in doing them more frequently mm. so you can sort of micromanage things a bit closer. But when someone's a bit more overweight, like – don't, don't bother. Anyway, pick your pick your schedule. Yes. With how frequently you're going to do it. 
pick your time of day. Yes. Same time of day, same location. Yes. So you get the same lighting that way. Same clothes. Yes. Now, by clothes, I mean not much, <laughs> which is where a lot of people fuck this up. And this is why people fuck this up. Like, this is what this personal trigger, like, I follow plenty of PTs on social media and they might put up a tremendous before and after photo of their client. Well, they think it's tremendous, except they're wearing full clothes head to toe and the clothes hide all the work. Yes. So this is why Courtney and I get really – we get our bees in our bonnet with, with how fussy we are with standards for photos with clients. Is like, hey, if you wear too much clothing, you can't see what's actually happening. So if it's blokes, men, you know – your, your jocks or your shorts. Yeah. If it's women, it might be your short shorts and your crop top. Yeah. You know, sometimes if they're comfortable, undies and a bra. Like, hey, there's, there's a level of personal comfort needed there. But the more clothes you wear for your progress photos, the harder it is to actually see what's happening. Yeah. Because the thing is, if someone's very, very overweight, they can actually get away with wearing more clothes because if they're very, very overweight, you'll just see them shrink. Yes. But they'll get to the stage where they're going to stop shrinking in large amounts and you start looking for the finer details. Yes. You start, you know, you start looking for quad separation or feathering through the shoulders or their lats start to pop out or, you know, their triceps start yeah, to show. Start like to, all I the think little you start to look for like muscle, muscular differences too. And yeah. so that, that's really hard to see. Yeah. So where, where people fuck it up is, you know, too much clothing or someone's posture yes. can be off. So or, like yep. their shoulders are slouching forward their head's dropping or their arms are Hips coming are forward. Tilted, yep. Their arms are coming forward so that the arms are hiding their waistline. There's just mm, – drives me yes. crazy. Um, but when done consistently and, and done correctly, I personally think I would call this a life-changing way of measuring physical progress because it's right there. Yes. And as we say, Courtney, the photos don't lie. Yes. However – if there's one con with photos, it's that while they don't lie, they may they always tell a story, but the story can go in different ways. So here's what I mean with this. You might have someone who is clearly objectively working hard to change and improve. They're training consistently, they're meal prepping consistently. They're, they're, they're building themselves a really good, healthy, sustainable routine. Yet, their, their first few lots of progress photos, hey, I've seen with some people, their first 12 months of progress photos haven't changed much, if at all. Oh, my God, devastation. The fo- Matt and Courtney said the photos don't lie. Fucking what's wrong with me? Nothing. The story that can be telling is if a person's in that situation, I guarantee you, they're coming off many, many, many years, if not decades, bad habits, self-abuse, metabolic abuse, etc. Mm. So this is why we say photos don't lie, but they will tell a story as well. So the story for someone, let's say you've got someone who, the situation I just mentioned, someone works their tail off mm-hmm. and they're really consistent and they're committed and they're resilient and they turn up week in, week out, month in, month out. And you've got two people approaching things with this sort of quality. One of them is in their early 20s. Mm. The other one is in their late 40s, 
early 50s and has been dieting on and off, yo-yo, up and down for 30 years, which one's going to change faster in the photos? I know which one will. I'll bet my house on it. It's always the person with the least amount of baggage being carried into it. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's probably the – if there's one con with the photos is that you need to understand the context behind them. The photos don't necessarily say that you aren't putting in the effort. Yeah. They can often say you are putting in the effort but you've still got to keep going at this for longer to start to get the rewards you want because the changes are happening where you can't see them. Yes. So with you can't see them, well, here's the thing. You might be feeling better. Yeah. You might have more energy, which we'll get into with our, our platinum standards soon within the next session here. But the photos don't – if you're feeling better, you're getting stronger, etc. but the photos aren't changing, that means you're on your way. This, this actually ties in, Courtney, to the 10 signs you're about to lose weight. Yeah, it does. That we've done before. Yes. Um, anyway, without getting too caught in the weeds with this, photos, absolute best of the best. Yes. Um, now, yes. actually, anything you want to add before we go to the next section? No, I think that covered it very well. So what we'll do, we've, we've just gone through um, the different measurements or different units of progress there. We're now going to wrap up by talking about the platinum standard. <laughs> So we've just mentioned the gold standard. Let's now go to the platinum standard. Well, this is the Matt and Courtney method. The Matt and Courtney method, just ask us. It's it's the best of the best of the best, the platinum standard. So then this is how we measure progress with our clients. So having done this for years and years and years and years now, this is what we do with every single one. Yeah, okay. and learnt over time what works. And this, this now... We can, we've been using for many years well, this now is, this works. This is the platinum standard because yeah. all the things above, either you and or definitely me have had experience with yes. and have had to learn some pretty hard lessons. Yes. And, and you know, the best teacher is experience. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what is the Matt and Courtney platinum standard method? Okay. It is photos plus accountability plus feedback. Yes. So photos, as we say, photos don't lie. They tell the story one way or the other. And I know with me personally, I'm at the stage where if, if you show me someone's progress photos and even give me a really, a really short, brief overview of their history, I'll tell you what's been happening before you show me anything else just through the photos alone. Yes. I'll tell you what they're struggling with and probably what their worst habits are. Um, is that because I'm some sort of genius? Fuck no. I'm as much <laughs> of a dumbass as everyone else. Some Jedi, only in my dreams. It's just because I've had so many years of practice with this. That's all it is, is good old-fashioned experience. Now, what do I mean by photos and accountability and feedback? Well, I'm talking about tracking compliance, tracking habits, and getting feedback on how the person is feeling over time. So we do we we can agree the photos will speak for themselves. And why do, why do Matt and Courtney use photos? Well, duh, cheap, easy, anyone can do it. And we teach our clients how to take the best photos and how to do it consistently. It is a skill. And can I just mention? No, I don't, I don't think we mentioned it when we we're talking about the photos. In terms of consistency, is of when you take them and and the lighting that you take them in and things like that. Just. 
we always recommend taking photos, three, three photos, front, side, back. Yes, that is part of the that is part of the standard when it comes to photos. So I was just getting into this. Courtney and I are very picky uh, on the the quality and consistency of these. So as Courtney said, it is front, side, back, and yes. it's always front, side, back always. each time. Now, if you get these right, they're life changing. Yes, straight up, they're life changing um, because the photo, the photos will tell the story, and it's it's like well here it is. Yes. Okay, now, but we add more on top of that because it's not the only part of the story. So let's talk about accountability here. So as we like to say, accountability is the glue that holds the entire process together. Yes. If you show me someone who's trying to lose weight and change their life and has no level of accountability, I'll show you someone who's going to find it really fucking hard. Yeah. If not impossible. Now, accountability, I'm talking about gathering information on what a person does day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, gathering data. Mm -hmm. Data on what? Well, data on their routines as relates to their exercise habits, their meal prep habits, how they're resting, their work life, their social life, their stress points in life. We start to see, okay, what's happening here behind the scenes, right? We talk about compliance. What do I mean by compliance? Well, if they start with us, we give them a training program. Here's the, here's the weight sessions we want you to hit. Here's the cardio sessions we want you to hit. Here are the less, less intense activities. You know, these, these sessions we want you to do. Well, how consistent is someone at actually hitting that training program mm. to a consistent level? So for us... If someone is missing scheduled training sessions that we've prescribed, that counts as a, that, that counts towards improvement and compliance and overall progress. Yes. Because, for example, if someone's photos don't change and we have the, the data that shows they're highly inconsistent with their training, well, what do you fucking expect? Duh. Don't put in the work. Don't get the results. What a shock. But also compliance relates to nutrition coaching, are they implementing the next steps? They're being advised by their coaches. Another example, someone does their photos. Oh, the photos haven't changed. And we can see and we know through the recording of data that they're inconsistent with meal prep. Well, again, what do you fucking expect? And if you combine the two, well, you're inconsistent with meal prep and you're inconsistent with hitting your training sessions. Tell me why you're crying that you're not changing again. Yeah. Yeah. What do you expect? You know why. We Exactly. But this is the thing. These all come together. Same thing with habits, how we fold habits into this method. So by habits, it's like, well, if someone starts with us and they have a habit of binge drinking, are they making improvements at that habit along the way? Now, note I use the word improvements, not, oh, have they stopped binge drinking in 12 weeks? You mean you don't need to stop drinking alcohol? <laughs> Not just that, but do you think you're going to get rid of a, a year's worth of habits in 12 weeks? Like, no. No. Stop yourself. No. Um, so things like binge drinking, emotional eating, um, you know, what do you do to relieve stress mm. in your life? Um, how much time do you take for yourself for personal care and hobbies? And, you know, your downtime, sleep. time to recharge, sleep. 
Um, do you have a problem putting others first you know, and putting yourself second or last? Mm-hmm. How about tracking someone's breakfast habits or their improvements to you know, midnight snacking? Like pick your habits here. Yeah. Either way, once you've identified what a person's, we call them cornerstone habits, Yes. the habits that really are holding them back. Really making the biggest difference. Yeah. They are part of the units of measurement towards a person's progress. Yes. Because we know... As, as much as we say the photos don't lie, if someone hasn't made any inroads into their cornerstone habits, well, of course the photos won't change. Like, of course not. Yeah. They can't. So we measure that as well. Um, but also this is where the feedback side of things comes in, getting feedback from the person doing it. So, okay, how are you feeling? Are you feeling more mentally alert in general? Are you feeling more energetic? You might remember three months ago, you came to us saying you had that 3 p.m. crash every single day. Is that gone? Are you able to, can you run now? Or can you run faster now? Are you getting stronger in the gym? Do you feel stronger in your day-to-day life? Like, hey, I'm now carrying double the amount of shopping bags I used to carry when I used to go on a grocery trip. I play with the kids or I um, play with the grandkids. Oh, I can now keep up with the kids. I can keep up with the grandkids. Oh, my my clothes are starting to fit different. Yes. Or in the case of Matt and, and people that say are, are diabetic, are your blood sugar readings on average improving mm. over this period of time? The thing is all these improvements that we – and we rely on clients for feedback on these things. Like we need them to tell us. But these improvements aren't flukes. They don't happen by accident. They happen by design. Yes. So the Matt and Courtney method involves assessing based on all the above. Mm. We don't just cherry pick. Oh, we'll take this one because it suits us here. No, it's all of it. Yes. We We don't give our clients or anyone a pass or fail purely based on photos because there's more than that. Yes, absolutely. Because just photos is unfair on someone that may have had decades of bad habits and metabolic abuse, negative self-talk. Like you, you will have people, and I was one of them, where it might take them 12 months to even start to change on the outside. Yeah. Because they're spending all that time repairing the insides in order to repair the outsides. So the, the, the platinum method has to be all the above. Mm. Are they hitting their workouts? Are they coachable? And are they implementing the advice and the guidance that we're giving them? If they're not, well, we don't expect them to change and neither should they. Yes. I think I'm done. Wow. <laughs> okay. Give me a cigarette. Yes. So I think that that was... Do you want to add anything to that with that? No, I was actually just listening and I really had nothing else to add to that. Each of them were were great. Well, I'll tell you something, maybe something question for you. When you when you when you and I first met, you would have just used the scales and body weight as your measurement of progress? Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah, never took any photos. How did you feel the first time we took progress photo for you? Um, I think... Excited? No, I actually don't remember being as nervous as I thought I would be. Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't like it. 
Like, I wasn't happy about doing it. Did you understand the logic, though? But I understood the logic, and I think that's why I wasn't really what did you tell nervous yourself or anything about it. With that, then? You said you weren't happy with it, but how did you accept it? I think because you had pre-warned me that they were coming and that they, they were essential. Yeah. And, and I understood the logic behind why they were essential. Yeah. And I really wanted to make changes. So I understood straight away the logic of, well, if I want to make changes, it's going to be the best way to see the changes. Do you think it was more than an attitude-based thing, like you were all in? Or am I misreading yeah, this? Yeah, no, I think it was. I think it was. And, and, it, and it was a case of as well where, you know, it, that they were going to be out of sight, out of mind. You took them. And you had them. So it's not like I could sit there and look at them and judge myself and, and, and mentally beat myself up about it. They were taken and I didn't have access to them. And I didn't see them again until we took the next set of would, photos. Okay. If you did have access to them, do you think that would have helped, hurt, or none of the above? I think looking back on it now probably would have hurt in really? a way. How? I think because when you've got nothing to compare it to, you don't often – especially when I was like the size I was, there's not many times I would stand there and look at myself in my underwear in the mirror. So I wouldn't actually look at myself that often mm. like that. And if you had a still image that you could bring up any time and obsess about it, I, I that would not have been helpful for my mental state. Okay. So I think for me the ability to be able just to let go of that and almost forget that they were even taken – was really helpful. What did, did I'm not trying to put words in your mouth? Just an honest question. Did it help you focus more on the work to be done? Yeah, I, I think so. And I really liked the idea of having that as a goal because obviously leading up to that, I'd always use scales, and I was and I was pretty realistic and understanding by the time I came to see you, Matt, that the scales were not a, a good form of measurement. Mm -hmm. because I had been through my ups and downs with the scales and I had learnt just organically how these were not accurate for me. Yeah. So I knew that that was not a good form of measurement, but what do you do? I didn't know what, what else, else to do. What else is there? Yeah. So what else do you do? Mm. And then when it was explained to me that, you know, I would, I would I have photos taken at the start, you know, after six weeks, after another six weeks, and then we can use them to help see our progress. A, I was ecstatic that it wasn't, the scales, mm -hmm. just for one. And B, I think just the ability to be able to have something tangible to be able to see progress really interested me. Yep. I find it – and this, it's the, the reason with with what we do now, our, our, let's call it our platinum standard, um, very objective. Yeah. It, it's also, though, measurable and doesn't, as I've said here, like it doesn't cherry pick just you know one or two to suit – it's all the above for every single person because it allows the context. Yeah, I think that that's the biggest and the key thing that I really want to emphasize from this whole conversation, which is literally every single thing that we have put forward from the worst of the worst to the situational to the to the go the gold standard to the platinum standard, they all need a certain level of context and perspective. And I really want to underline that that even with photos, they're going to need context. Even with looking at consistency, it's going to need context. With ha habits, it's going to need context. Well, look, you look at what we do. Like for us, it's photos and accountability and feedback. Like 
each of those adds context to the other. Correct. That's why we do them all yeah. together and, and I don't pick and choose. I think that that's the biggest thing with any form of measurement that you are going to pick. You really need to to pick multiple like that. You can't rely on one form of measurement. Well, I mean, if you're asking us, just do our gold standard, yeah. our platinum standard. You, like. you can't you can't choose one and expect it to be consistent enough to give you what you need. Because remember as well, we're using these forms of measurement as as a part of our um, goal setting, as part of our planning, as part of our structure, structure, mm. as as part of our um, progress in terms of celebrating the small wins. You know, it's it's all things that we're using. Um, I'm not deliberately not using the word motivation because we, you know, we love that word. But incentive, incentive is probably a better word. So you're using you're using these forms of measurement like that. So it's really important to to pick uh, a structure that is, is going to incentivize you. The last thing you want to do is pick one that you're going to be constantly second-guessing and making yourself upset about. Well, can I explain a bit more of the logic behind um, our method and why, obviously, like, I'm not going to sit here and say here's why it's so good because it's right there. Mm-hmm. Like, it is fucking good. But it... It allows you to focus on the various factors that go into this and not just one or the other. So a mistake a lot of people make is they focus purely on the end result. Yes. How much weight have I lost? How much different do the photos look? And that's it. But there's more that goes into it than that. The thing is that a person's goals, when someone looks to set goals – Obviously, there needs to be outcome-based goals. I want to look better. I want to feel better. Like, okay, great. Let's go. All on board for that. But you also need to have goals that are based on processes and work. I mean, yes, this stuff is fucking boring. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is not exciting. It is essential, however. So, hey, you might want to, you might want to look better in your photos. Okay, what needs to be done to facilitate that outcome? Yes. That's where the accountability and feedback come in because that's the they're the process oriented tasks and goals that need to be hit. And it's a key thing that we do with clients as well when they set you know when they set goals with us. Don't just tell us the physical goal that you want. Tell us the goals you need to hit to get there. In terms of like I said, consistency with your training program, consistency with your meal prep, and sticking with it mm. over a long term period of time. So it's outcome based. And process-based, which it has to be. Yeah. So sorry, it's not all the glamour stuff. That's just not how it works. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love it if that is how it works, but that's just here in the real world, no. No. Anything you want to add uh, on, on our platinum standard? No, I think that's it. I think we'll just move on to wrapping it up. Well. Give some tips that we might not have covered off yet. Well, more, more just a just – as you said, Courtney, recap. wrapping things up like a recap, yeah. So as a recap, just understand that not all methods are created equally. Um, in fact, some are completely fucking useless. Yeah. But also some just create a needless mental stress and anxiety that you don't need yes. in your life because you know what? As you've probably figured out by now, life's fucking hard enough Yes. without adding the fucking bullshit and mental gymnastics that come with, oh, I didn't lose weight today and shit like that. Yeah. So, I, and and in saying that, Matt, I would, I would really encourage you to choose a combination of methods that are really going to 
suit you and and work within that. So if if you're gonna obsess over numbers, if you know that that's in you, it don't, is. It's in me. Don't make them numbers based. Never make them numbers based. So you have to have an awareness of, of who you are and what and what is going to help you get somewhere. So for me, having the visual of the photo, that's why I wasn't scared when Matt first said to me, we're going to take photos. Mm. I, I wasn't loving of the idea because obviously I wasn't in a great place about me and my body, but I accepted it straight away without hesitation because I knew that for me, a visual representation is what is going to work for me. Yep. And that's why I've had DEXA scans in the past. And even though they're in our gold standard, I would f- never feel the need to get another one. Yeah. Because I know that numbers, I I just have the sort of mentality that can really obsess over numbers. Yeah. And if I'm allowing myself to go there, it's going to be unhealthy for me. Yeah. So I think that's really important what you just said, Matt, is f- take away that needless mental stress. We've got enough yeah. of it. Let's not purposefully put more onto ourselves. You've got, to, you've got to acknowledge the type of person you are and the type of personality that you've got and get away from the things that add yes. to the stress and the anxiety. So part of the recap on it add here as well is just understand all the methods that we've mentioned in this episode, on their own, in isolation, they don't show you the full picture. Yeah. None of them show you the full picture. Even the pictures don't show you the full picture. Yes. Accurate measurements require and, – and the best form of measurements will require a combination yes. of a few things like what we do, but they'll also require consistency yes. in your methodology but also an honesty with things. And that's especially paramount when it comes to things like accountability and feedback. You have to yeah. own your shit and be honest either – not just with yourself. If you've got a coach or a trainer, you have to fucking own it all. Yes. All of it. Yes. If you have that, then these, like the, our platinum standard of, of progress measurement never, ever, ever fails. Yeah. Where it fucks up is where some, some part of it is sabotaged. Yes. Whether it's someone runs from their progress photos. Oh, I didn't change. I, don't, I, looked, I look embarrassed. Matt and Courtney will judge me. We don't give a shit. Lies about their accountability. Lies about the accountability, or you're terrible at communication, and you don't, you don't, you don't not, or, or you're in such a negative mind state, you don't, you willingly ignore the small wins that you're having and the improvements that you're making. Oh well, I'm not changing in the photos, so who cares if I can keep up with the kids? Who cares if I don't get sick anymore? Yeah. Who cares if I feel better at 3 p.m. every single day in the office? Yeah. Like you just disregard that stuff like it doesn't count. Yeah. You have to own it all and embrace it all. Yes. I'm done. So am I. <laughs> I think that's probably enough Courtney, for this topic. bring us home. Yes. So we'll leave it there. I hope you've actually got something out of this. I would say this might be our most informative <laughs> episode of the season. I really hope so. I, I, I hope that this has really been helpful for you. It gives you a lot to think about. Um and reach out to us. We've got our Facebook page, if you're not already on there, um, the Weight Loss Podcast. No, forget the page. Come to the group. Sorry, the group. I meant the group. I said it wrong. Um, I'm new to Facebook. And we have got 
We obviously have an email address as well, which is podcast at the weightlosspodcast.com. Feel free to reach out to us anytime. See you next week. That's it. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 